0: Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. Back again with another episode, y'all. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about this young man that I know that got caught up in the uh, addiction uh, in here. He uh, got real tough on some drugs, man, and tried to run from his problems and and go to protective custody, getting out of some things, trying to get out of some things. But in here, uh, y'all, you can't run from your problems. You can't run from your problems. Ain't nowhere to go you know what i'm saying i'm going to share this stuff with you because i know a lot of families out there are uh, unaware that they are uh, involved in stuff like this in different ways i'm going to break down some of those ways that family members out there are involved and they're not doing their loved one any favors by uh, participating in that whether they know it or not right so i hope that you like this show and you learn something and so you can figure out what you need to do if you find yourself in a similar situation you know what i'm saying So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, y'all. Look here, y'all. There's this dude that I know. Young dude, too, right? I think he was in his early 20s, 21, 22, something like that. He wasn't 25, I know that. But uh, he come up in here. Like a lot of dudes, you know, trying to escape the, the 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 reality of this place, smoking a little weed, you know, just to, to distract himself for a little bit. I, I did it myself early on, right? Uh until I quit uh smoking weed. My dad asked me to stop smoking. That was the last thing he asked me before he died, so I gave him that and uh I've been I've been a better person for it, right? Uh so but anyway this young man he smoking his weed uh, trying to escape reality of the situation, you know what I'm saying, and that s- smoking the weed led to him snorting a little coke, you know. The whole time he's uh, he's calling home and asking his mom him, you know, sending little green dots, you know, so he could pay for it and uh, whatnot. And he was doing this thing for a while. Early on, that's kind of like what it is, you know. Family members, when you first get locked up, they they got your back and they want to make sure that you are getting what you need and eating enough and safe in here. So a lot of times, you know, uh, we, those of us in here, we'll tell our families things that make it seem like it's bad or or worse than what it is, right? Now, don't get it twisted. It is bad in here, right? But some of the stories that you'll hear people tell you about this place in here, uh, they exaggerate what's actually happening to them. Not to say that some of those situations don't happen, but it doesn't happen to everybody. You see what I'm saying? So this young man, he's calling home, getting his uh, parents and his grandparents and his sister to send him money by telling them that he owes some people some money for food. He wasn't telling them that he was getting high. So he was on for food at first, right? And they were sending him the money because nobody wants to see their loved one uh, hungry in prison, right? Especially, you know, when you find out that the type of food that they serve us in here is garbage. You know what I'm saying? For the most part, uh, don't get, it, don't get me wrong, they do have some decent meals from time to time. But overall, for the most part, the same thing over and over. It wears you down. It starts to taste the same. And, you know, depending on who's preparing the meal, the food is just trash. So, yeah, we survive off of commissary. And we don't make enough money in here to uh, really pay for the stuff that uh, they sell us. So we rely on our family, the people that love us, to send us money so we can buy food so we can make it through the day. And it's hard in here, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to that. So this young man, he learned early on that he could tell his family that he needed money to buy food, and they would send it 50 at a time, 60 at a time, 100 at a time. But what they didn't realize is that, you know, you don't send money to your loved one's books by sending it through to a green dot. You see what I'm saying? We got this system called JPay, right? Where the money goes straight onto the account of the uh, of the person in prison and they can, it can only be spent with the prison. When you send money through JPay and Green Dot and stuff like that, you get those numbers. I get those numbers from you. You get those numbers to, to me. I give those numbers to somebody else and then they can put that on their card. It has nothing to do with the prison. Absolutely nothing, right? They're using that money for something else. And, and in this case, this young brother... He was using the money to, to pay for his habit. He had gotten out there. Because after about five or six months of smoking weed and, 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 and lacing his weed with that cocaine, he became hooked. He was hooked. He had to have it. You know what I'm saying? And he was relying on his family to get it. He's dealing with all sorts of people in here, gang members, uh, other drug dealers. He's spreading himself so thin because he's got this habit now that there's no way that he can keep up. He's running tabs up, $500, $1,000. He can't pay that. At the most, he might be getting 250 a week from his people. That's $1,000 a month. But he's running around. He's, running, he's doing $1,000 in a week. He's doing a $1,000 worth of dope a week. But he's only getting, at the most, $1,000 a month from his people. And his people are not wealthy. And even if you are wealthy, sending that kind of money in here, that's crazy. Because you don't understand what you're financing. You're financing your child's addiction. And that's what's going on with this young man. So his addiction got worse, right? Because this is what happened. See, a dope boy tries to lock you down. Make you his exclusive client, right? So he comes with something a little stronger than what everybody else got, right? He started lacing the dope boy that he was getting his from. Well, there was a couple of people. But anyway, they started lacing the dope with fentanyl. Yeah, you know, that fentanyl, that make that dope super strong. That's that dope 2.0. Right? Yeah, it's going to knock you out. But what the dude didn't know is that they, when they laced the joint up, they didn't lace the joint up with cocaine. They laced the joint up with heroin. That boy. Right? That dog food. Wow wow. Yeah, what they did. <laughs> that sounded like a cat, though, didn't it? <laughs> That's the dog. Okay. But anyway... What I'm saying is this, when he smoked that, laced on that weed, he developed an addiction for that heroin, something he had never experienced in his life. And further, the dope boys trying to lock him down, they introduced him to the needle, shoot it straight in there, straight to the brain, through the vein, getting him high. Laced up, got that fentanyl on him. Now he's walking around the penitentiary looking like a zombie, not going to work, calling his people, panicking, threatening, you know what I'm saying, to kill himself if they don't send him this money to pay for this dope. But he's not telling them this is for dope. Now it's gone from being about, I need money to, uh, to eat to pay for some food. Now it's gone to, I need money because they're going to kill me. And then it's like, who's going to kill you? They want to know. This is their loved one. They want to know. Think about it. He's calling his mama, his grandmama, and his sister. All the women in his life. Terrifying them. With these tales of, they're going to kill me. Ain't no dope boy going to kill you when you paying good. Ain't no dope boy going to kill the money. But that's what he's telling his people. They're going to kill me if I don't pay for this dope. But at the end of the day... He kept getting out there. They were sending him what they could. And he would pay a little bit. You know, you pay a little bit on the bill. And then they charge you a little interest. You know what I'm saying? Something that's outrageous. They charge a higher than the credit card. You know what I'm saying? If I come to you and, and I owe you 100 but I can only give you 50 then that 50 that you still owe me, now that's going to turn into another 100 That's 50% interest, y'all. And that's what it is, though. And then you start to get behind because the dope is getting so good and you need more and more of it. But what they do, they start to give you less and less. Dragging you along, stringing you along. And now before he even realized what was going on, he was so far in the hole, it was no way for him to get out. No way for him to get out. No way. Now he's on these folks. He owed two different people $5,000 a piece. This is in one month. He's shooting ten thousand dollars worth of drugs in his vein. He's lucky he's not even dead, because this dope is laced with fentanyl, y'all. But he looks like a skeleton on a stick because it's killing him. It. He can't eat. He's not sleeping. All he can do is chase dope all day. He's getting write ups from the police. Going to the hole. He's getting out of the hole earlier than he's supposed to because he's telling stories to the police about who's doing this, who's doing that because he can't stay back in the hole because he can't get it. So he's lying and telling on people saying they're selling drugs and telling where pocket knives are, telling on people that got cell phones, putting his whole situation in danger because he has to get out there back on that compound so he can get that work. He has to get high. He's addicted. And how family members that love their loved one in here, how they continue to send that money in here, that only feeds the addiction. Now, I know you're probably saying, if they don't send it, they're going to kill it. Possibility, if he stops paying, yeah, something's going to happen. But here's the thing. Did you ever think that the right thing to do For the one you say you love is to do something about it be more aggressive call the people at the prison and tell them what's going on did you ever think about that but you're not going to do that because see you're caught up in this world that your son has put in your head about snitching so instead of you doing the right thing you've gotten sucked in and become a criminal yourself by financing a criminal enterprise think about that you're financing a criminal enterprise Not just in the penitentiary, y'all, but on the streets. Because that money that you send in here is going back to the streets to buy more drugs. And some of those drugs are going to be sold in your neighborhood. To your kids. To your grandkids. To your husband. To your wife. It's a cycle. This thing just goes around and around like a merry-go-round. You understand? So the best thing that you can do is cut them off. So eventually, they got to the point, the family members got to the point where they couldn't afford it. But they didn't want to tell it. I understand. So they just got, they sent what they could. So now the dope boys, they're getting aggressive. They calling them on the phone. They threatening them. If you don't send me this money, I'm not going to just get him. I'm going to get somebody to come out there to see you. And then they'll text them the address. So they got the, they, they know where they live. Now these folks are staying up late at night wondering if they somebody gonna ride by the house and shoot them up all because their loved one in prison wants to get high ain't that something he can't fight it he's addicted the people in the prison know that he's addicted they know that he's addicted but they just say that's what happens in prison and let it go on and on and on the only help he's getting is getting going to the hole being pimped for information then put back out on the compound that's the only help that he's getting so what do you do after a while he got so far in debt y'all that some of the people that he was getting high with they let him know look man gang such and such they finna kill you boy they want their money today. They've been waiting. They want that money. So they're going to do something to you. So he's panicking. What do I do? They told him, you got to check in, man. You got to leave a compound. You leave the compound, you know, you might live. You stay on this compound, they're going to get you. So he, he tries to call his people one more time. Called his mom. He called his... His grandma. he called his sister, begging him for money. Telling him he owes $15,000 to a gang in the penitentiary. And he, this time he's so scared, he tells him the truth. He's hooked on drugs, heroin. Now, imagine a mother, a grandmother, a sister, or maybe you are. That mother, grandmother, or sister. Maybe you're a brother. Maybe you're the father. Maybe you're the grandfather. Maybe you already know. Maybe you've had this phone call. But if you haven't, imagine somebody that you love in prison calling home telling you that they owe $15,000 to a gang for drugs. What do you do? What do you do when he says, they're going to kill me if I don't pay this money? What do you do? Because you don't have it. You don't have it. But see, when when he calls you, they're right there in the room. Because he's on the cell phone. They're right there in the room. They're listening to every word you say. Now they get impatient with him and you because you're not saying the right thing. So now they grab the phone. And now they get a little aggressive. And they tell you, you think this is a game? You think I won't kick his ass? And now all of a sudden you hear, it. they smack it. And you hear him scream, ah, oh, stop, don't. They beat him. You hearing this. Now you start to cry because you know that there's nothing that you can do. Do you call the people at the prison there? Do you call them there? or do you just sit back and do nothing? What do you do? Your loved one is being beaten. He's told you that he's addicted to drugs. Are you not gonna help him? You don't have the money to send him. What do you do? See, you've gotten so sucked into this idea of calling the police, and you think it's gonna make matters worse for him, and it will initially. Just keeping him one hundred. It will initially make it worse for him, because that the the truth of the matter is this: in prison, it's not a good thing to tell on other people. But see, you can avoid all that by not getting involved with these types of people. But he didn't understand that because he was trying to escape reality. He was trying to get away from the the pain and the trauma that he was experiencing because he put himself in a situation that brought him to penitentiary. And everybody took for granted that, okay, he'll go to prison, he'll do his time, he'll get out, he'll be fine. But what you should have been doing is thinking about what trauma has he suffered that put him in a state of mind to think that robbing or stealing or taking something from somebody else was the right thing because you know you didn't raise him like that. So he has to have gone through something. And that's what we overlook. We take for granted they'll go in there, they'll be back out, and they'll be okay. That prison is going to help. That is going to work. Nah. Somebody done told you wrong. It's not how it works. Not going to get any help. Not going to get any, especially if you don't know to, to ask for it. Especially that. And you're not coming out of here better because you came into a place where they treat you miserably. The food is terrible. You think that's going to make you a better person? It makes you bitter. It makes you bitter. So the solution, if you have this distorted way of thinking, this distorted way of thinking, y'all, from the get-go that brought you to penitentiary, the solution to you is it makes sense to let me get high so I can forget about this for a while and go to sleep, wake up and eat me some potato chips. You know what I'm saying? That makes all the sense in the world. But if you get this person some help, put them in a situation where they feel safe to confront the traumas that caused them to think that way, maybe, just maybe, this person will be better. Just maybe. Because that's what we're looking at. So now let me get back to it. So the brother has to check in. And when he checks in, see, in the penitentiary, when you check in, you got to tell him why. Why are you afraid? What's going on? So when he gets down there and he has to check in, because he's never done this before. He don't know how this works. He's listening to his partner that he gets high with to tell him, look, just go tell the people you want to check in. He doesn't realize that they're going to ask him all kinds of questions. Now he's faced with the dilemma of do I? Don't I? Will I? Won't I? Should I tell them why I need to be put in protective custody? Or do I just say, don't worry about it? Not knowing anything about him. Knowing that the threat is real. He's got the bruises to prove it. Because he just got beat up. He tells them everything. Huh. Right thing to do. But he's going to have to deal with the consequences of it. He tells them how far in debt he is. He tells them how long. They ask him everything. How long he's been doing it, who he's been getting it from, and who's been paying for it. Uh oh, wait a minute. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I just said? He tells them who's been paying for it. Now, you out there on the street, you've been sending money to the penitentiary to do what? Finance a criminal enterprise. Even though, even though you were unaware for the most part of it, or you were lying to yourself, one of the two, now you get a phone call. Boom. It's internal affairs at the prison. They got some questions to ask you. So they start giving you the rundown, telling you about your son, but you already know that. Telling them about how much money that you spent, but you already know that. You got the receipts to prove it. Now what they want you to do is to send those receipts to them. You know why they need the receipts? Because if you send them the receipts, then they're going to get them guys who've been selling these drugs to your son. And they're going to take them to court. They're going to prosecute them. And then they're going to get some more time. But if you do that, then your son, your grandson, your brother is going to be in danger up until the day he gets out of prison and even maybe after. He gets out. Because this gang is not just a gang in the penitentiary. This is a gang, y'all. Gangs are not exclusive to the penitentiary. They are everywhere. One phone call and it's going down. Pookie, look here, man. I need you to drive by such and such and such and such. Take care of that. That's what's up, folks. I got you. That's how that goes. So stop playing. Stop playing. But see, here's the thing. Let me get back to the story. He goes ahead, he's in check-in. They've milked him for all the information they can get from him about what he's been doing and what anybody and everybody else on the compound been doing. So now they make the sweep. They start locking people up left and right. And guess what? When they put him back in the back in the hole, he he's in a section of the hole where they can yell back at to him and call him a snitch, a rat, I'm gonna kill you. Threatening him. Now he's panicking. He can't get no drugs. Now he's feeling threatened, you know, because people are yelling at him. People that that he used to get high with. Now that's threatening him. Man, all of that trauma compounded. What do you do? Now he's pacing the floor. He's afraid in a way that he's never experienced. Because he's coming down off this dope. Now his body's hurting. Because that hair one is a physical high it, it makes you hurt physically right that's why it's so hard to break from okay cocaine is more mental heroin is a physical high you're gonna feel it in every joint on your body when you're coming off of it, you know and that's what's going on with him he's hurting he's screaming he's throwing up boo-booing on himself, all of that begging the police to come in there to help him they're not coming the nurse will be around at 7 o'clock. She'll look in there, see what's going on with you. They'll help you out. But other than that, he's on his own. He's on his own. But that's what it is in here. Now, internal affairs comes to talk to him. They ask him, what's going on? You checked in, this is now. Then they tell him, you know, we talked to your mama, your grandmama, and your sister. We know everything. We just need you to fill in some blanks here for us. Now he's starting to think a little clearer because he's been he's been detoxing for a few days now. They wait just long enough for you to be afraid, deathly afraid, but they also want you to be a little clear-headed too so you can process this thing out. You know what I'm saying? Because the logical conclusion is going to be pick a side now. You got to pick a side. Do you keep your mouth shut? and risk putting your family in more danger than they already are and yourself or do you side with the police and hopefully these guys will be put away in a in a way that they won't be able to harm you when you get out cuz they're going to get some more time got to pick a side y'all that's what he's got to do you got to pick a side and he does what most people do in here believe it or not He sided with the police and he told them everything. Now, he'll never be able to come off protective custody for the eight years or so that he's going to be in prison. But the guys that he's getting ready to testify against, they have so much time and finna get some boatloads more, but they're going to be put in a situation where they're going to be segregated, not be able to use the phone, not be able to communicate with their people. In a way that in the way that they've been able to do it so far. So but it doesn't last like that. After a while you find a way. If you're in a game, you find a way. And they want their lick back. But they won't be able to get their lick back immediately. And hopefully he'll be able to get out and, and, and move away and, and, and go on with his life. Because most of the time, most of the time, people that get caught up in stuff like that. If they end up beating the charge, or the charges get dropped, they make the calculation, look, I bought that on myself. And they move on. I'm telling you, most of the times, the threats that they make about doing something to the people on the streets will not materialize. It's just that on that. They don't materialize. I know it's gonna be scary, when you hear it at first because you're going to think oh my god you've been watching these movies on TV about these gangs and all this and that and for the most part it won't materialize like that especially if it was about some money if it's about something bigger than that then you might have something to worry about but when it's about that money and they can always make more money they chalk that up it's the cost of doing business you push this boy to the brink you took advantage of him you got enough money out of him and then move on Now I wanted to share this story with you because it's a complicated thing when you're dealing with somebody that comes into the penitentiary that gets hooked on drugs, right? And that is why I wanted you to hear how this whole thing can play out. It's messy, y'all. It's messy. But now that he's in protective custody, and if your loved one ends up like that, they're going to need you. They're going to need you to visit them, They're going to need you to tell them it's going to be okay. They're going to need you to help them get through it. Don't take for granted that because somebody you love comes to prison that everything is going to be better for them when they get out. Go in there, take responsibility, do what you're told. This isn't (laughs) it. Don't take for granted that that's going to happen. Don't take for granted that that's going to happen. Love on your loved one. Love on them. Because in here, They needed more than they ever have. Real talk. They needed more than they ever have. But, you know, I think that I've said enough. Like, some of the guys in here, they tell me, Joe, get off your soapbox. You you said enough. So, I'm going to get off my soapbox, y'all. I think I've said enough. This has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I say peace, y'all.